Bianco. I'm currently an SRNA at the University of Scranton. My name is Aaron Crowell. I'm also a second-year SRNA at the University of Scranton. And my name is Rolando Flores. I'm a second-year SRNA from the University of Scranton. My name is Nelson Ramos. I'm a second-year student at the University of Scranton. Uh, today, we will be talking about the importance of CRNAs in the VA system. Uh, we, the talking points that we are following today is background, political factors, economic factors, social, technology, and our recommendations as students. Uh, Will, can you give us a little bit of background, please? So currently in the United States, our healthcare system follows a team approach. We have many advanced practice providers, including physician assistants, nurse practitioners, nurse anesthetists. They can either work independently or collaborate with physician MDs. And a lot of different states have varying laws on whether or not you can collaborate or work independently. And the VA currently follows this system. Yeah, back in 2016, to give better access to healthcare patients, they give full practice authority to uh, nurse practitioners, clinical nurse specialists, midwives. They were all granted full practice in the VA system. However, CRNAs were all left behind. And then when the COVID-19 pandemic came around in 2019-2020, there was a lot of strain put on the healthcare system. So within the VA system, they passed to finally grant full practice authority for CRNAs within the VA system. However, this was only granted until the end of the public health emergency within the pandemic. And now that the pandemic's coming to an end, the battle's beginning between a nurse anesthetist and anesthesiologist on whether to keep this full practice authority in effect through the VA system or let it expire when the pandemic ends. Uh, So, Nelson, as students, how can we fight and bring more awareness for this legislative issue of full practice authority? Well, we can look at the PEST system, which has to do with political factors, economic factors, social, and technology. So, if we actually look at political factors, we can look at lobbying. If you actually look up the data, the American Society of Anesthesiologists alone spent $1.1 million in 2022 just to lobby. And that's what we know of in terms of contributions. But I think it's funny that uh, the American Society of Nurse Anesthetists outnumber the number of physician anesthesiologists in this country. So, but the money available within the ANA is not even close to what they can donate within the ASA. And currently with the ANA, there is a PAC fund that most CRNAs do donate to after they finish school and are working, have a little more capital to donate. And that leads into our economic factors that affect this policy, which has to just do with money. The ASA... Uh, out monetary values the ANA by probably millions of dollars um, with donations to politicians and policymakers in the country. So what we have is a few issues because there are some hospitals that I've worked at where anesthesiologists are required to donate money to the ANA, so they have to put a portion of their paycheck into that. And that is literally strictly for funding business. But if you look at the economic, the cost-effectiveness of anesthesia models, when you look at the autonomous CRNAs collaborating with surgeons, for so basically 12 CRNA staffing costs, it costs about $2 million in a year. But if you look at CRNA collaborating with anesthesiologists, 12 CRNAs to one anesthesiologist, it costs $2.4 million. Um, 
If you look at the anesthesia care team, which is what a lot of hospitals run, it's a three-to-one ratio. So you have 12 CRNAs for four anesthesiologists, and that costs about $3.68 million. When you have something that's only anesthesia-driven, so it's physician anesthesiologists only, and it's 12 anesthesiologists, that costs $5.04 million. So you would think within a healthcare system that is run by a government budget, it would be in the best interest to d- do the most economic or the lowest costing uh, model within that system. And that leads us into the social uh, factors within this policy process. Is naturally, society doesn't know who CRNAs are, so it's really an uphill battle for us. Uh, but everybody knows who a doctor is. It's the highest trained person usually within the healthcare system. And you bring up an, extra, an interesting point there. Most people, they really don't know what a CRNA is until they're in the pre-op setting when the CRNA comes and introduces themselves. And I know myself when I'm in pre-op, like, oh, didn't somebody from the team already come and look at me? But I find it interesting. I mean, before we were nurses, how did we know who CRNAs were? Nelson, what do you think? So that's the problem. We don't even know what CRNAs do. And let alone, people didn't even know what we did as nurses. And I think this really plays into the social factor of how things work out for us. If you actually look at how like people look for care, um, people don't think about CRNAs. They think anesthesiologists. So you have a biased view when you go online and you're looking for care. Uh, you're not going to really look up a, a CRNA. You're going to look up uh, anesthesiologists. People naturally just go to doctors. Not knowing what CRNAs do is a big problem for us socially. So, Will, what do you think about technology factor? So, the technology factors that we think about is getting wide access to raise awareness about CRNAs and their role in the health system and talking about that they do the same things that an anesthesiologist does and the misconception that the anesthesiologist runs the whole case when we're the ones in the room from start to finish. Right, and we're within technology, back on what Nelson talked about, within search engines and uh, within the web, you're naturally brought to a doctor-based model like an anesthesiologist. Everybody knows who an anesthesiologist is, but when you say nurse anesthetist, they're like, oh, you're a nurse. And the same with social media. We're fighting the uphill battle of just not being known of what we do, who we are within the healthcare system. And these are factors that, with this policy process and the fight the ANA and ASA are having currently for the VA system, these four factors are what you need to take into account when you're going through this process. And in addition to raising awareness for the society, we have to get all of us on board, have CRNAs get actively involved, especially after we graduate school. It's a lot of people after three years of a DMP program, they're kind of tired. They just want to do bread and butter cases. And we outnumber anesthesiologists in this country, like I said before, about 40,000 CRNAs to maybe about twelve to 15,000 anesthesiologists, and I think I'm overestimating that one there. And now let's just take a break from our sponsors. Want a break from the ads? If you tap now to watch a short video, you'll receive 30 minutes of ad-free music. Welcome back from our sponsors. Uh, now we can talk about recommendations that we would all have. So, Rolando, started off. What kind of recommendations would you have? Uh, first, uh, we can be like us. We can stay up to date to our legislation. Uh, we can establish an awareness event, locals or statewide. Uh, we can also use like some sort of like social media ap- applications, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're very fancy these days. 
uh, we can work with other legislatures and become more active in our own organizations. Now, what do you think of that, Nelson? Like, we outnumber anesthesiologists in this country, what, almost four times what they have, but we're outdonated by them by millions of dollars. So what do you think of that? So I, I think, you know, of course we have political factors and economic factors, and they kind of tie in together. But I think the important part is actually the social factor. I think I'm a big culture guy. I played a lot of sports. So I'm a, you have to be bought into a system. And the problem is we have a lot of CRNAs who come and do this, and they're just not bought into the system. They're, like, not proud to be CRNAs, and they're just doing it to exist and live, and that's it. The problem is when you choose this profession, you really should be involved in every aspect of it. The problem, you know, a lot of people are part of the American uh, Nurse Association, and what happens is we end up leaving the AANA once we graduate. We stop donating to it, which is part of the lobbying process. Right, but if you don't want to represent yourself, at least let someone a larger group represent your profession for you by making donations or contributions to them. And the donations and contributions will help, right, with the economic factors that will help with the political factors of lobbying. Because a CRNA is trained just like an anesthesiologist is. Our hours may be a little lower, but we can still do what they can do as well. And, you know, you brought a good point there. I mean, simply put, an anesthesiologist or doctor will make more money than one CRNA. But because we outnumber them, even if we're giving a fraction to what they donate, the volume of what we donate will be either equal or greater than that. And Nelson had a really good point about having pride in what you do. Because with that pride comes enthusiasm, and that'll be a great thing to have when you're getting politically active. I know a lot of our classmates and the seniors above us are involved in PANA and the ANA, and that's a great place to start. Whether you go to different meetings and get involved, so a lot of them had meet, uh, met with politicians and you know, brought up different issues like working um, to fight against anesthesia assistance. And a lot of this fight comes from CRNAs who want to be medically supervised but don't want to and don't want to practice to their full extent of what they were trained and educated in school. So there's always that fight of the CRNAs within that system, but why not always have it available to be independent practicing when you can? So in techno technological factors, they're relatively easy to address. You just need to become more active within social media and <coughs> bringing awareness to the profession using technological things like Rolando said, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and things like that. And I think that's the future, Aaron. You're right. So if you actually look at it, and I think it will help us out socially as well. They're intertwined as well. If we have more people posting and, and spreading the knowledge of, of what a CRNA is and what we do, um, it really helps out. That's why every time you introduce yourself to a patient, I always say that I'm part of the anesthesia team, but I also mention that I'm a CRNA and I'm with you the whole time. Because a lot of times patients go to sleep and they think an anesthesiologist is in the room with them the whole time, but it's not, it's us. So it's important that we are socially active with technology. And I think our generation is really good with that, using Instagram, uh, Facebook, and any new websites that come up. And now, I mean, that's what where the question comes is like, what could we post to students or even the ANA to help voice our profession as a whole? Yeah, that's a great uh, question there. The different things that we could post is there's two fronts we can go, educating the public and bringing enthusiasm to ourselves, different CRNAs. Like Nelson said, a lot of, CR, a lot of people don't know what a CRNA is. 
So I think a great thing to do actually is, um, I'm a YouTube addict. I watch a lot of YouTube. Uh, a lot of surgeons do a day in the life of a surgeon, right? You can do, you can literally search it up. There's so much information on YouTube about like all these doctors and their professions. And I've actually looked up a day in the life of a CRNA and you can't find almost any videos at all. And all these day in the life of neurosurgery, um, cardiac surgeons, and they're doing like 24 hour calls. They have two point five point something million views so i think like we just not we're just not optimizing what's out there for us yeah and think about it if there were day in life with crna video the audience for that would be more geared towards people interested in nurse anesthesia as a profession so you know ways we can get that out to the public is you know even if we go on a local news station and say oh this is what we do like kind of you know a little snippet here and there or just run a simple ad campaign on Facebook, because that really doesn't cost too much. Yeah, so I mean, this is a real issue that CRNAs within the VA system are fighting because it's separate than like a normal healthcare system. They make their own rules. And we're coming toward the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, the CDC ended the pandemic, what, maybe six months ago, so. This is a problem that CRNAs within the system are facing, and I think this is the action is now because if it's not, we're going to lose independent practice, and we'll be starting from the beginning again. So it's important to get this before the independent practice wears up. I mean, any last comments, guys? Get involved. Be social. And like Nelson said, get involved. Be a voice for, for the profession. Thanks for coming to the podcast, bros, guys. We'll uh, see, see you, you next week. See you next week.